Hello, and welcome to another American Road Trip Talk, where you meet the people behind the colorful content of our American Road magazine. I'm Foster Brown, your host. Starting in the 1920s, the art of neon lighting lit up American roadways and towns from coast to coast. In many ways, it was as revolutionary as the digital artistry of today. Curiously, neon lighting made its way into the U.S. from Europe by jumping the entire country and landing in Los Angeles. So it's fitting that the City of the Angels is the home of the Museum of Neon Art. And on this American Road Trip Talk, we'll visit with Kim Koga, the museum's director, to find out about a national display of neon art at the beginnings of one of America's great highways, Route 66. Before we hear that story, I want to thank the City of St. Joseph, Missouri, for sponsoring this American Road Trip Talk. Make history this year and bring the family to St. Joseph, Missouri and make it a vacation they'll never forget. In St. Joseph, you'll discover 150 years of history where the Pony Express began and Jesse James ended. Experience history. Make history. Go to stjomo.com. You can get your kicks and Route 66. That and a lot of slogans have swirled around probably one of the best-known highways in America, Route 66. And it has its terminus, its endpoint in California. And uh, right now, that is a bright, shining spot on the highway because of some exciting things that are going on thanks to the Museum of Neon Art and some of the other folks in West Hollywood. Right now, I'm delighted to be able to talk with Kim Koga, who is the director of the Museum of Neon Art. And Kim, welcome to uh, the American Road Trip Talk. Well, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for being with us as well. Now, there's a lot of things going on here, so let's talk first of all maybe about the event um, that has brought a lot of these things together, the root and the marvelous neon art. And it's a project that I understand is called On Route 66. Could you yes. tell, tell us about that project? Okay. Uh, the West Hollywood uh, Cultural Affairs Department does... Um, Art for, um, it's called Art on the Outside. They feature sculptures uh, in their outdoor placement on Santa Monica Boulevard, and they approached us when it was their 25th anniversary last year and thought it would be really fun to incorporate uh, some neon signs on Santa Monica Boulevard for that project. And since Santa Monica Boulevard was um, the terminus of Route 66, it seemed a real appropriate place to have neon signs. It's kind of like the the end is a great place to show this wonderful art that you have. Now, let's talk about the neon art, because a lot of the neon art that is being used there is uh, not necessarily affixed to the buildings in the way that it used to be, but it's actually being displayed in the median. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, we're the we're known as the Museum of Neon Art, and uh, most of our collection of signs uh, is are uh, they're disconnected from the building that they were originally on, uh, and that's how we are saving them. That if the building has to come down or the business moves, we don't want to see the sign destroyed or lost, so we try to save them, and that's built our collection. And uh, so we have a lot of signs that we can't. Uh, display in our current location. We're in a temporary spot in downtown Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was the, uh, another reason that um, 
the city of West Hollywood heard we had this great collection and a lot of bigger one, bigger signs were in storage. And so that was another reason they invited us to uh, participate in this project. Now, I understand that uh, I'm, I'm right that the first neon sign to show up out there in Los Angeles was around uh, 1945. Am I right? Am I having got the year right? I think it was the 20s. I think we're oh, talking okay. 1923. Yeah. Uh-huh. 1923, but and, and it was a car dealership. Correct. The Packard car dealership. Um, it was located on Hope and Olympic Streets, and they've uh, the building, the original building still stands. It's been converted into lofts, and they named the lofts the Packard lofts, and they put on a replica of the Packard sign on the face of the building. So it's, it uh, commemorates... The first neon sign in America was there, and and the whole uh, neon as um, an artistic expression or uh, graphic art well, did that take off in the 1920s in the U.S. Because I know it it was relatively new to the scene in the early 1900s. Uh, the 1923 was really that date where it uh, where the first neon sign was seen. Uh, the Packard the Packard dealership. And then after that, uh, it created a phenomenon because there was really nothing as colorful and as bright mm. in the nightscape as neon was. Prior to that, it was bulbs, incandescent bulbs. And they had various ways of making the incandescent bulbs different colors and animating them and, and sure. so forth. So they were, they were fantastic also. But when neon hit the scene, it was just uh, brilliant. It left uh, the bulbs in the dust, so to speak. It really took over as the dominant you know, uh, nightscape illumination. It almost strikes me as some of the things that could be done with digital art nowadays, uh, Kim. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the contrast between uh, having a, a mural painted on the wall and suddenly digital art can make things come alive to be right. almost right. as if they were real living things. And neon was, I think, that kind of an experience for people that, in the 20s. Yeah. Yes, it was. It uh, It's described as living. Uh, when you see the neon tube up close, which people have the opportunity to do when they visit our museum. Um, you know, it's a, it's a gas that's electrified inside a glass tube, and it moves and it glows, and it is, it's very alive in there. Did it really become um, uh, more popular in Europe and then migrate to the United States, or was it something that was an American? Um... Well, it was, uh, it's credited for being started in France, in Paris, and, uh, but it really took off actually in America. So America was the home, really the true home for um, for neon's heyday, um, and a lot of that's due to the automobile and the development of the road in, uh-huh. in the United States. So neon, neon, and the Route 66 is uh, those other great routes across the United States really went hand in hand in development. They really did. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And the signs then that you have in the uh, Museum of Neon Art in Los Angeles, um, have been collected from various highways? Uh, they have. We um, pretty much work on a donation basis, so people come to us with a sign that they own and they want to donate it to save it for posterity. Um, we don't go out and take sound- signs off of buildings or mm-hmm. the highway. We uh, are preservationists. We'd like to see it stay out there. Uh-huh. If, if possible, even when the business is gone, uh, we try to keep the sign out there and have somebody, the new owner or someone, light it because, uh, you know, it's, 
it's nostalgic for a lot of people that sure. grew up in a certain area. They remember it and they want to see it there still. So we try. That's our first number one um, priority: is to keep the sign out in the landscape. If that can't happen, then and it's small enough for us to house in our <laughs> museum, then we collect it. But you know, size size is a big factor. When did the museum first begin, Kim? Your museum of uh, neon art. It started in uh, 1981 in downtown Los Angeles. And it was started by two neon artists uh, who saw, you know, the famous Melrose Theater marquee coming down one day. And they just couldn't believe that uh, it was going to be thrown into a dumpster. So that's oh. the official day they started the museum. Now, there have been, some, and we have some pictures that we will include with uh, the photo gallery along with this conversation that you and I are recording right now. Um, just if you could talk about some, what are some of the the, the really famous ones uh, that that have been part now of this on Route 66 exhibit uh, and that are part of the Hall of Famers among neon okay. signs. Well, we only have four signs there as part of the project, and one of the signs uh, was actually from Route 66 in Upland, California. It's a Winchell's Donut sign, and uh, the Route 66 Mother Road Museum first obtained it. And they really didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, if you've never really worked with a neon sign, it's just this gigantic piece of metal. <laughs> and it's got all these glass tubes on it that break, and it's heavy, and they didn't know what to do with it. And they heard about us, the Museum of Neon Art, so they donated it to us. And uh, when this opportunity came along in West Hollywood to show uh, signs that related to Route 66, the donut was at the top of the list. <laughs> because that, that allowed us to restore it. So we were able to clean it up repaint it and, uh, you know, have it uh, in its original splendor. I've got to ask you, what's the story behind the woman diving? Yeah, the diver is just a really special sign. It originated actually in, uh, I want to say it was in Mississippi uh, at a hotel. And um, it was at the Virginia Court Motel Diver is what it was called. started in uh, 1948. Uh, someone purchased it when the Virginia Court Motel was demolished. And he moved it to um, Buffalo, which is where he was living at the time, <laughs> to eventually restore it. He finally restored it maybe five years after that and then heard about the Museum of Neon Art and offered it to us uh, to show. And I said, oh, we'd love to show it. He shipped it to us from Buffalo to downtown L.A. It's a 20-foot-long sign. <laughs> <laughs> and it took about eight guys to get it out of the truck and into the museum and a couple of other guys to hang it in the space. So we've been showing it everywhere. It is one of the most popular signs in the collection. It is not oh, an authentic Route 66, but it sure could have been. The art itself has come from many different places. I'm curious. Are there neon artists who still are at work plying their trade nowadays? There are. It's not uh, anything close to the number of neon vendors that existed in the heyday of neon in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, not even close. But there definitely are still skilled people around that do this craft. Can you describe for our, our listeners and readers what went into making a neon sign? Well, first of all, someone has to design it, and often uh, in that sign industry, the division of uh, different skills are divided. So there's the designer, the graphic designer, who designs the sign, but that person does not fabricate the metal, so there's a skilled metal worker that has to make what we call the can that houses the glass, and then someone paints it, and then there's the neon bender, the, the skilled neon tube bender who has to bend the glass, and pretty much come up with a design that translates into tubing 
and that can be um, added to the, the finished can. So it's a group of people working together. So when um, there's a beautiful sign, when something really stands out, it's all those uh, components coming together. And and they, then there is also the element that uh, the colors are produced, if I'm not wrong, by the different gases that are used. Correct. Uh-huh. It's a combination of different gases. They're the noble gases, which are different colors. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, colored glass. The glass itself is colored or can ah. be. And then also there's a special phosphor coating on the inside of some of the tubes that create other colors. So the palette is over 200 different colors that are obtainable. We do a bus tour. We call it the Neon Cruise. We've been doing it for over 10 years where we rent a double-decker style, English-style open-top bus, uh, and we we drive through the city starting in downtown and uh, going through Hollywood and circling around looking at all the historic neon or as much of it as we can fit into three hours. On this bus, we have a, a, a very incredible narrator who's funny and, uh, and informative. And uh, he talks about neon in L.A., the history of L.A., and he's got a great sense of humor. That's and we wonderful. Offer that, we offer that tour um, every Saturday night from June through November, and the schedule is on our website. So uh, if your readers are ever in L.A. visiting, it'd be a really wonderful thing to catch. Now, what is your vision for the Museum of Neon Art? Well, uh, for the last 11 years that I've been director, we've been looking for a permanent home. Um, we, uh, as you know, as we discussed, neon signs tend to be on the large side. And so we need a permanent facility to ha- be able to house these gems and share them with the public. Uh, it's not like every 10 years we could move to a different facility and set them up again. They're fragile, the glass is fragile, mm-hmm. they're heavy, they're large. So that's been really my goal is to try to find a permanent place for the museum, uh, one that would be, you know, in a, in a populated area that people could visit. And, um, you know, uh, L.A. being the home of the original neon sign, it seemed appropriate that we stay in the Southern California area. So um, the city of Glendale has actually offered us um, uh, a home across from their Americana development on one of their main streets. And we've been negotiating with them for the last couple of years. And uh, we hope to finalize that project uh, in the next several months here. Well, that'd be wonderful. Please let us know when that happens because well, I know our listeners our, and readers would be delighted to know about uh, the, the, the new home for the Museum of Neon Art because it is a, a treasure that many of us remember from the days of traveling these great highways. And uh, and it is an incredible form of art. It's like a, a lost art in a way, a folk art. How long will that display continue, uh, Kim? I believe officially it runs through the summer, but you know we may just leave it there. <laughs> I know they're really, I know they've been really pleased with us, with us uh, having them there, and they said if we don't have a place for it right away, they'd be happy just to leave them there for oh, a while. So that'd be wonderful. They'll so be there for uh, through the summer. Kim, thanks again for taking the time to be All here right. with me on this. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. This American Road Trip Talk has been brought to you by St. Joseph, Missouri. Make history this year and bring the family to St. Joseph, Missouri, and make it a vacation they'll never forget. In St. Joseph, you'll discover 150 years of history where the Pony Express began and Jesse James ended. Experience history. Make history. Go to stjomo.com.
I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me here again soon as we travel more of the American road and get to know the fascinating people we meet along the way. Don't forget to visit our website at AmericanRoadMagazine.com for our most recent issue, blogs, travel tips, special deals, and so much more. Or find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest American Road news. For the American Road Magazine, I'm Foster Brown, reminding you that the joy is in the journey.